Hi, welcome back. This is the episode for、um, two epidemics for Asians: coronavirus and racism. So today we're going to talk about、um, with Dr. Mankit Lee, and here I am, Diana Chu, and we're going to talk about like little something different, not only about the coronavirus, but how we dealing with it as Asian Americans. Hi, everybody!、Uh, welcome back,、uh, Dr. Mankit Lee. Uh, yeah,、um, and another fantastic topic. Thank you so much, Diana.、Uh, yes, this week I would love to talk about not just the virus itself, but the social political impact that it has on、um, Asian Americans and Asian folks living here.、Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, what what do you think? What what are some of the things you're seeing right now, Diana? Well, you remember, like a few, like month, like a month ago or two, like we talked about. I have like, no idea how long xenophobia, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like when we have shelter in place, we only know、um, today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Like you know, that's the that's the time frame that we're working、mm-hmm. working at.、Um, but we did talk about xenophobia, and、uh, which is early on when we just started, like when COVID nineteen just started. Um, and and then I wanted to revisit this、um, topic because I think like the racism、um, that's happening, especially after Trump saying、um, this Chinese virus, like on, on the internet and also in in、uh, live TV, it really impacts how、uh, Americans or Asian Americans、um, uh, interact with this virus. Yeah, I. I think is a very worthy topic to discuss.、Um, so, coming going back to the racism and prejudice, I think that racism in its core is similar, but how it's presented、um, currently is a bit different, right? So, right now, racism often is spread on social media like TikTok, right? Facebook,、mm-hmm. a lot of hashtag,、um, hashtag Chinese virus is a very popular one. I feel like right now, more than ever,、uh, we are at risk of you know adapting a lot of racist views simply because of the amount of misinformation、um, on the internet right now. I remember watching a video of、um, someone saying that oh the Wuhan market reopened and people eating bats again. They will never learn, and it's just videos of you know、uh, the wildlife market opening.、Um, The video is not even from China; it's a、mm-hmm. that's different country, right? But it's just misinformation like that that can definitely feel the hatred and the anger and the fear.、Um, also, want to touch upon something you said earlier about the Chinese virus. And、uh, Donald Trump did came out and talk about he used the word Chinese virus, and it's like, oh well, why can't I use it? You know, it's from China.、Mm-hmm. Well, yes, it is from China.、Um, arguing. Like that kind of dismisses the the impact, the social racial impact that you have when you label a virus, a deadly virus, with essentially a population or a location, right?、Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of folks know about the Spanish flu, how a lot of Americans back then five five hundred million people worldwide got infected with the Spanish flu that was 
developed through cow manures in the 1918, right? They called it Spanish flu because they thought it was from Spain, but the original place is from Kansas. So if we were to call something the Kansas flu, can we imagine what's that going to do to the economy and the people living in Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be devastating, right? But we don't want to do that. We want to protect everybody. So we call it something differently, right? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think in the political standpoint, naming mm-hmm. um, like uh, 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 the the coronavirus, a Chinese virus, or like the Wuhan coronavirus, is actually politically like it's a strategy because mm-hmm. it undermines um, the uh, the impact of the virus in other countries or other cities, and putting like some kind of blame onto that population. So the focus will be different. Um, but I think um, as like uh, 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 a person who is like more compassion thinking about that, about the impact of the stigma uh, that is creating by using those terms is really important. I think like the psychology behind it is that if we name something like that, it actually drives people to hide the illness um, to avoid discrimination. So for example, if I'm, I'm really afraid of being discriminated um, uh, and I'm presented as uh, Chinese, like it's, it's hard to like, okay, I don't want to say I have the illness that impacts other. And so, so it undermines it. Um, and it, it also prevent people from seeking healthcare immediately. Absolutely. And if, if you are someone with yellow skin in public and then, you know, you have a cough, well, you, mm-hmm. you better hide that cough, right? So it definitely discouraged them from this. It can discourage folks from adapting the, the like social distancing, you know, increase their hygiene because if they were to do something that is um, deviant from norm, right? They're more cautious, for example, they can be seen and labeled as virus carriers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they might not be. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's very, very, absolutely very stigmatizing. Um, yeah. So as a Asian or um, Asian American, have you been experiencing some kind of racism during this, this virus? I personally have not experienced it myself, namely because I'm locked inside all day. Yes. So unless I am perpetuating it myself, no. Um, however, I have a lot of patients who are experiencing uh, a lot of racism. Um, I work with a lot of youth in schools and in the school system. Mm-hmm. They do experience it that people will call them names. Like they, someone wants to say like, yeah, I can't even cough in public or people stare at me weird. Um, yeah. Even this happened before the lockdown, actually. So I know it is happening for sure. It is happening. Yeah. And and we see a lot of um, uh, that the media is posting like hate crimes and stuff like that, um, targeting Asians. Um, and um, I think we as a community is like putting more thoughtfulness about like how um, to protect each other and not to infuse hate, but at the same time, how can we talk about it, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. I do have family members, it's like, oh, like, is uh, uh, oh, family members from overseas asking me, oh, are Americans really, like, um, uh, harsh on Asian Americans or Asians in mm-hmm. America? Um, and is your safety okay? Are you, like, people get worried about my safety, like even I'm sheltering in place, but like I, I could see the potential of like danger 
uh, especially in neighborhoods which is not as friendly, um, but also like exposed to like all these distress, right? Absolutely. And um, we, we are definitely speaking to this concept that exposure to to racism definitely decrease one's um, overall mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this concept where th- there are specific there are specific ways that you can combat these very small microaggressive interactions. One thing I do want to point out about the about at least my culture, right? Chinese culture, is that in a very collectivistic culture, we we emphasize on not rocking the boat. Right, mm-hmm. we want to make sure we get along. So, in a multicultural, multi-ethnic setting, I think that still carries through. So, what that means is there might be a victim of racism. They might be also then encouraged to not say anything about it. Right, not don't rock the boat. We have enough stress already. We don't want to create more stress. Right. Yeah. So if you're the victim of like a bully incident, you're like, don't, don't, don't hurt the bully because we don't want to like rock the boat. We don't want to be in trouble. Yeah. We right. don't want to draw attention to ourselves. Right. Mm. Well, that's the kind of things that will definitely foster more. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, when should you rock the boat? Mm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really hard thing to, to, to know. I, I guess like, like it's it's learning how to pick your battles, okay. right? Like if you're able to um, uh, do it in a safe way and target, you know, like confront the person or like a, a social media post um, about your feelings or like you know you're you're pretty vulnerable in that state. So it's like asking yourself, weighing the consequences of um, uh, responding to a microaggression, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I think the the text that um, you sent me and it's a it's a little toolkit called Guide to Responding to Micro uh, Microaggressions by Dr. Nadal is something that Diana mm-hmm. shared with me. Um, it lists five questions, self questions, if you will, on like considerations of is this a battle that I want to to you know respond to? Do, do I want to pick this battle? Right. So I see here that you know. The first question is, if I respond, could my fiscal safety be put in danger? I think that's very important to consider, like, if I do respond, am I safe? Yeah. Are you going to get hit back or like, are Mm -hmm. you, are, is the person bigger than you? You know, that is like one of the considerations. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I in a place where, yeah, am I a place where if I require, you know, uh, police intervention, can I access police intervention? Yeah. Right. A second one, if I respond, will the person become defensive and will this lead to an argument? Well, that one's kind of hard. It's kind of tricky. Yeah. It, it Maybe this question is for people who you have a relationship already. Oh, right? I see. I see. Okay. Right. How, like, if if you know that person in, in more of a relationship kind of way, you have some kind of basis of, like, um, uh, talking about it. Because sometimes the most hurtful um, comments – are from people that we have a relationship with, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a stranger like calling you like about it on, on the street, you might not have a much of an impact when compared to like a friend mm-hmm. um, saying the same line. 
Right. I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. So kind of reviewing the- is safety. Will this lead to an argument? The third one I see here is if I respond, how would this affect my relationship with this person, coworker, family member, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very, I think it's a good thing to always consider the nature of the relationship. Um, yeah. Um, I actually, m- me personally, I really like this one. If I don't respond, would I regret not saying something? And growing up, and I have experienced racism growing up, I remember that, okay, I don't want to rock the boat, but then it would just kind of stay with me, eat at me for days on end. And I start to evaluate, am I really what they say I am? You know? So this one hits me hard when I read it. Yeah, because it, it, it kind of like with the microaggression, it does impact you. Mm-hmm. And it impacts you in like maybe a small way in that moment. But at the same time, by not doing something about it, um, it could potentially like not um, uh, not only uh, confronting it, it could potentially be something like process it and mm. um, uh, have a have have a switch of a mindset about it. Right? That also could be potentially be like doing something about it. Right. Yeah. And the last one here is if I don't respond, does that convey that accept the behavior statement? And I think that's how internalized racism can, can begin when we just kind of not check what we're psychologically feeding ourselves. Yeah. So what can, what are some things we can do to handle the microaggressions from others? Well, I think like one thing that we could ask ourselves is like, if we're feeling like safe enough to, to confront these people or like the, the, the people that is like hurting you is to interrupt them, right? Uh, interrupt, hey, um, I just want to clarify, you know, like, um, what do you mean by that? Right? So interrupting. Mm-hmm. So because interrupting helps with slowing down the process. And when slowing down the process, the emotions that come up with you Mm-hmm. Or the the aggressor or like the, the the perpetrator could also help regulate as well. So interrupting, slowing down the process. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then you could question them. Okay, so um, just like I know that you don't realize this, but when you say uh, this comment or like this behavior, when you do this, it was hurts, hurtful. Um, what do you think about that? Right, and so you you kind of like use use a, a I statement. Mm-hmm. Um, what can I? I would I would rather have you do this. You know, like so so helping the person understand uh, where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And then the third third part is educating, like educating um, the person. Well, when you say this, um, you could say another thing in to 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 have the same meaning that you're you're uh, conveying right right so that's that's some of the um things that we could do in handling microaggression or like other racism issues so to kind of summarize is we interrupt them right when in a safe place and you think is a battle you want to pick you might want to interrupt you want to ask questions they want to provide some psychoeducation just some education in general and then you kind of want to echo back and reflect summarize a little bit Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so the thing mm-hmm. I think the key thing is to slow it down. Slow it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the key thing is to slow it down because these this kind of like like the, the the microaggression is so ingrained um mm. within us 
that like sometimes slowing down the process helps with the with the um um you know like thinking on, on like shifting the lens i um, see not, yeah slowing it down because there's like a lot of charged emotions in there yeah yeah um <laughs> so funny thing i there's something that I picked up from a really good friend of mine. Uh, he identifies a Latinx queer man, and he has a, a fantastic way that he responds to um, like anti like anti LGBTQ jokes mm-hmm. or just like any kind of like you know uh, quote unquote non PC jokes, right? Yeah. So what he does is he will. Um, he will, he will pretend he doesn't get it, and then he will be sincerely ask the person to explain their jokes. Oh, yeah. So I, I we were talking one time, and there was uh this thing that popped up on a newsfeed. Someone's talking a joke, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, people just so, someone in China ate a bat, and now I can't leave my house, right? Something mm-hmm. like that." And then he will respond like, "Oh, really? Who who ate a bat?" And go somewhere in China. I'm like, and how does that work? Him eating a bat? Like, oh, they caused this virus. I'm like, oh, they caused it by eating a bat. I'm like, yeah, they caused it. I'm like, oh wow. And just make them explain the entire thing. And what ends up happening is, first of all, the person gets really uncomfortable because they're explaining a joke, right? But it definitely does a slowing down process. And nine out of ten times, they'll be like, yeah, it's a silly joke. So I don't want to tell it anymore. And be like, oh, okay, right. So it's a really yeah. way, a good way of making people feel awkward because it's easy to kind of drop something dirty and ha 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 run away. But when you're forced to kind of sit down and sit with it, then you're like, "Ooh, this is this is bad. It sucks." Or this kind of sucks. This is very hurtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like like um, some people are, are are not aware of mm-hmm. what they're saying, mm-hmm. and so um, it's it's. It is our job, and it is not our job at the same time. You know, sometimes I'm tired of explaining mm-hmm. these kind of stuff to to people, but um, but I think it's it's worth it, especially like with uh, people who are not that aware. Like you could actually like like shift their mindset. Well, that's the nature of privilege, right? As we're mm-hmm. looking at this, pick your battles by Dr. Nadell and all these things that we're talking about. It's it is the nature of privilege. I am very exhausted. I'm sure a lot of our audience very exhausted. Unfortunately, that's the way we live in. When you are a minority, you you live with this, right? This yeah. is what privilege looks like, a lack of privilege looks like. You know, people mm-hmm. who are who are not who don't who are in the majority, they don't have to think about these things. Yes. Yeah. And it is a privilege to be to be able to say, "Oh, I'm not dealing with it today." It's absolutely a privilege to say that I'm not dealing with it today. And um, my dog is very loving, so I'm okay at home. Yes. And but then at the same time, there are people who could not, like, because they they are maybe they are essential workers. They have to to keep their job um, and stay within within a toxic environment. And so I think like what we are sending the message is that like we 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 have to play our role, our part in supporting people in in spreading this message at the same time as educating and interrupting um, in a in a in a in a slow way so that we could create some small shifts. 
Absolutely. And I think this is a good time for our community to come together and really make a statement, right? We, mm -hmm. a lot of us are Asian Americans, and that means we are Americans. We have a say. And you know, Asian voices do matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a good place to this this is a if nothing else, this is a good place to start. This is a good place to start. Yeah. And this is a good place to stop as well. Absolutely. So thank you so much for, for tuning in and we'll see you next time. 